0: Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and remind you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, we're about to do our dollar ministry, and um, every week we give that away, if you didn't know. But this week we was able to help a guy. He's been traveling back and forth uh, due to hospital situations. And we was able to come alongside of him and help him pay his rent. So he was able to keep a roof over his head because of your giving. So thank you for always giving to the dollar ministry. Good stuff, all right? So basically, they're asking for you guys to consider first praying for every youth who uh, gets to go to camp next year, but also um, donating a dollar a day for one year, $365. So good stuff, right? Good morning, and welcome to Matthew's Table. I'm glad you guys are here. Real quick, uh, we have uh, a friend who, uh, it's his birthday, and we want to say happy birthday to Dan Eaton. So on three, y'all are going to say, happy birthday, Dan Eaton. One, two, three. Happy birthday, All right. He looks good at 36 this morning. We're excited he's here. Uh, real quick, just with announcements, uh, those of you who know, some of these, stuff stream, these things stream on the TV as I'm up here or we're up here or whatever, but... Uh, we're supposed to be having our family picnic today, and it is the mystery of will it rain or not, and we don't know right now, right? Like, the one person that I never trust is a meteorologist, right? So uh, what we're going to do is by 2 o'clock today, we'll make the final decision. So be watching for a mass text, a Facebook page, uh, a Matthew's Table's Facebook page, so we'll make that decision because we're gonna have food and different things and there's more things involved than just the fireworks. So we have to make that decision fairly early and we're gonna be watching the weather and if there's any chance at all at two o'clock, we're just gonna say, let's reschedule it, okay? So know that and be watching for that notice. If you aren't on mass text, this morning's the morning that you get with Nick and say, hey, how do I do that, okay? Also, we had a great turnout yesterday for the first ever food pantry at Matthew's Table. Uh, Nick said over 20 or 30 people came and got food, so that's amazing, and what we have now is a list of what's in the food pantry, and so what we would ask you guys to do is uh, consider when you're grocery shopping, maybe you pick up just one of these items, and as a church body together, we can continue to keep that thing stocked and feed those in our community who need uh, food, right? So uh, that's something that you could think about you can pray about there's just there's a lot of things on there just cans of green beans peanut butter pasta sauce box of rice uh, mashed taters you know the little packages of mashed taters cereal bars all those things things we need most right now are probably the hygiene things the toothbrushes toothpaste soap stuff like that so if you'd like to do that what we're going to do is start leaving a box probably at the welcome center every Sunday and as you come in to worship the Lord with With everyone here at Matthew's table, you can just drop whatever it is that you are donating to the food pantry in that box, and then we can get it uh, placed down there and be ready for the next. uh, I feel like I am just really echoing and loud, or so. Okay. Uh, Also, uh, community meal is the last Sunday of every month, so I don't know what that date is without looking at it, but it's going to be the last Sunday of this month. So, if there's people in our community or in in whatever community that you're a part of that would benefit from coming and fellowshipping and, and just uh, being, being blessed by a free, awesome breakfast. Uh, make sure you invite people to those things. Uh, also, real quick um, the new way to give. In the past, we'd always done one specific uh, text number. We're changing that. I think that's up there now. It's going to be 84321. If you have a smartphone, you can just download the Church Center app. The church center, the text to give takes you straight to the church center app. So if you're stubborn like I've been all my life and you just no, I'm just texting to give, I'm not downloading any app, blah, 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 blah. It's just gonna take you to that app anyways, right? So 84321, and all you do is like if you're donating $50, you would just type in 50. 84321, in the dialogue box you just put 50. And that 50 goes to Matthew's table. Okay? So it's a big deal. We're going to uh, allow both to be in operation throughout the month of July, so, and they'll overlap so that if anybody doesn't get the word, they will still be able to give. But if you do uh, uh, call this home or you are committed to Matthew Stable in any way, uh, make sure you start changing the way that you're giving through text to eight four three two. One. Uh, also, at the end of this month, uh, we'll be doing vacation Bible schools. So, if that's something uh, that you would love to see, you know, your niece, nephew, cousin, uh, your own son or daughter go to, get with Tamara. It'd be at the end of this month. If you'd like to volunteer or help in any way, get with Tamara. So, uh, it, it'll be it'll be awesome. It'll be right here at the church. So, we're looking forward to that. The back to school bash, which is August seventh. Um, here at the church where we're changing things up a little bit this year. We're going to start inviting families from the Cadillac and Colonial here and we're going to spend the day with them and we're going to try to develop relationships with these families instead of going down there and doing all of that there where they're just standing in line and each person just comes one after another and we don't get a chance to really get to know them. We're going to bring them here we're gonna spend the day with them. We're gonna do haircuts and different things uh, here with them. So that's on August 7th. But on August 8th, we're actually gonna to go to the Cadillac and do church there. We'll do church and then we'll feed everybody in that area. So we will literally have church service in the Cadillac parking lot. Actually, next to that, the Barrett Fisher, but right there. And we're gonna invite all those people in to come join us and worship, and we're gonna meet them where they're at. So. With that being said, for the August 7th thing, we need people to bring packages of cookies and drinks, uh, you know, waters or Gatorade, whatever, whatever those drinks might be. And you can just drop them off back here at the Welcome Center so that we can start collecting some of those things and be well prepared once the uh, August 7th gets here. All right. I feel like that's a lot. That's a whole lot of announcements, All right? Let's pray and uh, let's get started. Father, we love you. We thank you. Uh, Father, thank you for the opportunity to come before you and just lay all this stuff down and trust you that you are a God of provision, that you know all things, and you can provide all things. And so where some of the uh, events and activities that we're going to be doing in the next couple months seem to be uh, a lot and overwhelming, Lord, just help us in those things. Give us everything we need. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, if you're joining us this morning for the first time, uh, one, we're excited that you're here. We're glad that you chose to worship uh, with us. There's Connect cards. You can fill those out back at the Welcome Center. Um, But just... Because of that, we, what we've been doing, just so you kind of are caught up or you know what we're doing, is we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, and we chose to do so particularly due to casting a new vision statement in January, where we, as a body of believers, desire to look, live, and love like heaven. And so the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus preaches the greatest sermon to ever be preached, uh, basically on kingdom living... I'm not sure about you guys, but by doing this and walking through this and seeing what Jesus, the the expectations that Jesus has for those who are truly following him has been challenging for me to say the least. Each week Jesus has raised the bar and the weight of being a true disciple pushes us closer to the cross, realizing apart from God, we could never carry out his requirements for us. And the good news this morning is he begins to shift gears now, moving away from all of the difficult callings that we've been looking at and talking about to the how-tos, how-to- do certain things as a disciple and just as a way of quick review what we've looked at so far so that you're tracking with us we we've talked about the beatitudes or the beautiful attitudes of a disciple where a disciple is to be humble not proud a disciple is to hate their sin right be broken over their sin the disciples to be meek where you're selfless and you're concerned with the uh with others good others good over your own and you are intentionally seeking god you're hungering and thirsting for the things of god and by doing so you're pure in heart you're merciful to others you're peacemakers who embrace being persecuted for righteousness sake because we are the salt and the light of the world who understands that the new covenant of grace that's came in christ actually takes the old testament law to another level because christ is fulfilling that covenant we're to be truth-tellers. We keep our word. We, we, if our yes is yes, then it's yes, right? Let our yes be yes and our no be no. We, we turn the cheek when someone is malicious or intentionally trying to harm us. We go the extra mile for those who wrong us. And finally, the unbelievable call. The unimaginable thing that our Lord would ask us to do and and be is to love and pray for our enemies. That's kingdom life. And that's the life that we hope to live here at Matthew's table. That's what we want the world outside of those doors to think of when Matthew's table is mentioned. And some of you may be thinking, that's not the Christians I know, Roger, to which I would say, amen we could all stand to grow i'm sure you agree and because you're here this morning i have to believe you want to so the question is what gives why aren't more christians looking like or acting like the things that you've just mentioned and my opinion is that we stink at following directions that's what's wrong with the church today there's a test for idiots, and I know it seems harsh, but I want to talk about it just for a second because for me it makes a lot of sense, and, and this test is like a 20-question test. It's an exercise where students are given a test that requires following the directions, and what they found is most people don't read instructions carefully at all. They just start taking the test. They just start doing so it's all it, the the whole purpose of it is to make a point that you read the instructions so these people start taking the test and as they're going down one circle the word name do the yell out your name as you're taking it like, Roger and they're in the classroom right and it gets down to the bottom and it's like you know you didn't follow the instructions at all right and uh i have an image that i want to show you up here just as a way of uh example and it's here it says thanks for a great year in purple So somebody called in, gave the instructions to the the bakery, says, look, I want you to make a cake that says, thanks for a great year, and by the way, do it in purple. So there's all kinds of stuff wrong here. Like they put thanks for a great year in purple, and it's not even done in purple. It's like a blue, right? And so that's kind of an illustration as to how we don't follow instructions very well. And what I have this morning for you is a confession, I'm one of those guys. I'm per se an idiot who who really just can't stand instructions, right? Like I don't like assembling stuff and when I get it and it's got this, it looks like a blueprint for a NASA rocket to me and I don't care if it's got two screws or a hundred. Like I just, as soon as I see it, I get anxiety because I don't want to do all that. I want to skip all of that. And recently we had bought a chair for our prayer room At home and being the Bob the Builder I am—that's sarcasm—I looked at the picture on the box because it, when it with the instructions that were provided, it was clear all I had to do was pull the chair out. There was four legs that got put on the chair. That was it. So obviously, I don't need to read the instructions. This is going to be real easy. I look at the image on the box. I put the legs on. I busted my knuckles, because, you know, it's got the real tight spots where you got to crank in and tighten up everything, and I'm already aggravated, and I'm and Brittany's like, are you done yet? And I'm like, I'm already, just four legs, and by the time I'm done, she comes in there, and I'm all proud, and I set it up straight, and I put the legs on backwards. Now, That's important because the back legs were supposed to slant, they slant. So it was clear that the legs are not all the same. That's why this is important, right? But I figured by just looking at the box, I'd be able to do something so simple. Skipping the instructions, I set the chair up and it's sitting wrong, right? So then I had to swallow my pride and admit that I didn't read the instructions and uh, take them all off and do it again. But that's what we do, right? It's the same things It's the same thing Christians do. And I know that because Jesus gave clear instructions in the Sermon on the Mount on how to be a true disciple. We just choose not to follow them. We just choose not to read the Word. We just assemble our own walk and make things up as we go. We like to do it our own way. That's why Christianity has multiple versions. Roger, I noticed that these Christians over there do this, and these Christians over here do this, and you all do this. Why do you all do do everything so different? Well, we don't like to follow instructions. We don't even read them, right? We do it our own way. So this morning, we're going to read the instructions carefully. So if you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, as we look to the Word. God's instructions for his disciples, right? I'm going to read this to you, and it should be on the screen. Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And just to make sure everyone is tracking with us, Jesus is now teaching us the how to's already mentioned that earlier he's given us the expectations and the characteristics of a true disciple and now covers the uh well-known religious obligations that uh, even much like today in their time was how their spirituality or faith was measured our giving to the poor or the less fortunate our prayer life our prayers and our fasting or denying ourselves. And Nick did a great job last week dealing with the first of these, but more importantly, helping us see what Jesus desires us to take away from these how-tos. He's specifically targeting the intentions and motives behind doing them. The reason as to why, right? And so doing these things publicly is not condemned by Jesus. He later prays in public. But the reason we do them can be condemned. And if we're doing any of those three, giving, praying, fasting, to be seen by others, we're doing them for the wrong reason, which is between you and God, by the way. So my advice before doing any of those things publicly is to search your heart and make sure you're more concerned about God getting all of the glory, God getting the credit by your obedience in these things. And what's also important is knowing that he doesn't do away with these three things due to someone abusing them for personal gain. We know that because in each of these things highlighted, giving, prayer, fasting. He says, when you do it, there is an expectation, guys, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, right? Clearly, it's obvious that we could evaluate our own relationship with God by looking at just those three, the presence or absence of each of these in our lives and here's why when i'm giving to the poor or less fortunate i'm avoiding the temptation of building my own kingdom when i'm praying i'm humbling myself i'm confessing that i'm not all powerful i'm not all knowing but rather i'm fully relying on the one who is when I'm fasting, I'm denying myself these things that cause me to stumble, avoiding the temptation of loving the world more than denying myself of those things that causes me to stumble. If something is in your path of following Jesus, fasting is one way to remove that out of your life, right? So you can see how each of these cause us to stay focused on what a true disciple needs to be, giving his or her full attention to. It's our way of intentionally fighting against sin in our lives. And this morning, we look at prayer. When you pray, Christian, how is your prayer life? How often do you pray? Is prayer your go-to, or does it end up being the last thing you resort to? Much of my early walk with Jesus, where my life had been radically changed and I was on fire, I rarely took anything to God. I would just do good deeds and or try to be involved in everything I could, rather than seeking God to see what his direction was for me. I skipped the instructions and I tried to assemble my own version of what I thought God wanted from me. And if I, if I was to pray, I'd repeat things that I heard from others. I would say things rather than pray things. You might ask, what's the difference? Well, imagine uh, being a kid again and you're communicating with your parents or just imagine many of you already are parents or cousins or uncles or something of small children and you're communicating with them and your communication uh in in terms of christianity looks like this they enter the kitchen you're standing there father thank you for the atoning sacrifice you've made for my transgressions and iniquities sanctify my heart cover me in the blood of the lamb help me to avoid antinomianism and transubstantiation remind me how you are anthropomorphic so that i may glorify you Amen. Seems very rehearsed and religious to say the least, right? I'd be like, man, get out of here. (laughs) Get back in there and clean your room or something. And why Jesus says in verse 7, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. God's not interested in all of your fancy words. He's interested in being personal with him and communicating with him from the heart. And the point is, is we can make the mistake of just saying things rather than praying things. And why Jesus teaches us how to pray with what we call the Lord's Prayer. Now... We won't have time to walk through all of it today because there are so many important things to point out that we need to learn about the Lord's Prayer. First on the list is that this isn't the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. The Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17, what we call the high priestly prayer, where Jesus is praying to the Father. Here, Jesus is teaching his disciples, those who are following him, how to pray. Jesus isn't teaching a prayer to be recited by just anyone, but rather a prayer with purpose that puts this right relationship with God into perspective for the one who's following him. And as we've already agreed, you wouldn't want your children to communicate to you in a uh, impersonal religious way and neither does God want his children to communicate that way to him so repeat, uh, repeating prayers or reciting man-made and impersonal prayers are meaningless they're just words that you are saying it's not how you are praying And praying to anyone or anything other than the Father is unbiblical because Jesus said so. And I realize many of you have been encouraged to pray this way, but it's not because it's right. It's because we don't follow directions well. We try to assemble our own prayer life without reading the instructions carefully. I want to point out something else quickly that's encouraging and oftentimes forgotten by the church. In verse 8, Jesus says that the Father knows what we need before we even ask. How often do you think about that? How often do you remind yourself that he is such a good, good Father, he already knows what we need before we ask? You know what that means, though? That means that God is not far off. He's not unaware or distant from your circumstances. He's fully aware of every need and desires to meet those needs according to his will. But he wants you to ask for it because it demonstrates your trust in him and his position of authority in your life. I have a stepdaughter, and many times I know what she needs before she even asked me i know what she wants before she even asked me but she better ask me or she ain't doing it and she ain't getting it y'all do the same thing you teach your children say please why because you want them to recognize that you're the authority in their life right one more quick thing to point out before we move on notice jesus doesn't teach them how to preach Like, if he's standing there with the disciples at the time who would later become the apostles and clearly plant churches and set up what we consider today as our way of Christianity, I would have assumed that he'd taken more time to be like, okay, you guys, check this out. I need to take you over here. I'm going to teach you how to preach, because preaching is really important, right? But he doesn't. He's more concerned about teaching them how to pray, because very few would be called to preach. Rather, the Lord of all things, Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh, focuses on teaching us how to pray because prayer is a privilege where as a child of God who's been adopted into the family of God, we have direct access to the creator and owner of all things. John Piper put it, this way, and it's something that I want you guys to think about this morning. He says, "Prayer causes things to happen. Prayer literally can change things." James, the brother of Jesus, says in uh, in, in his uh, letter, chapter four, verse three: "You ask and do not receive; you have not because you ask not. Because you ask wrongly, to spend it on your own." So that verse implies, whether we like it or not, that by praying, we can change how things are, right? We like to think, well, God has a plan that was set out from the foundations of the world. And I would say amen, but God is transcendent, working in time based on needs. And somehow it all comes together. So the question is, church, why are we not praying passionately for the conditions that we find ourselves in? Why are we not not praying more often for the circumstances that we're currently dealing with, right? Do we not know the power and privilege that we have in prayer? Is it not embarrassing, just to be frank with you, that we have a church of let's just say 300 on Sunday, and we got eight people on a prayer team. It's like having an NBA basketball team and saying, "Hold up, coach, time out. We got to get our dribble team." What do you, that's part of the game. You don't make a team to dribble the ball up and down the court, right? We got a prayer team with eight people on it. Yet Jesus takes the time to to teach His own apostles who would who would set the course and put everything into motion to where we're at this morning, right now, in church, learning and hearing from the Word of God. He teaches them how to pray. Prayer must be more important than what we're making it right now. Jesus doesn't teach us to preach because he's more concerned about us getting communicating with God right than he is our communicating to others right. And so you might hear somebody preach and think, man, that's powerful, that's good. That, that brother, he's gifted, right? And we think, well, man, that's just awesome. I could listen to that guy all day. But millions can pray, and the trajectory or the direction of people's lives could change, right? We want to share a sermon with somebody or a sermon clip. Hey, watch this, man, this guy's really good. When we could be praying to the God, to, to the creator of all things. Guilty. Charles Spurgeon, you guys will probably know us at this point. I love him. He's, he's one of my favorites. He was one of my, but he said it best. He said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. One man to pray than 10 men to preach. I think the single coolest thing easily missed here in the Lord's Prayer is the one who paves the way Affording us the privilege to a private prayer life and the right to petition the living God is the one fixing to sacrifice his own life for us. He's standing before the the disciples teaching them how to pray. Think about that. If it wasn't for Christ, we wouldn't have access to the Father. We'd still be submitting our prayer requests to a priest a high priest who goes behind a curtain and talks to God on our behalf. He's intervened and now he intercedes for each and every one of us. Jesus Christ is Lord, right? Please read the instructions carefully, church, or you'll find yourselves doing things without prayer and petition that's meaningless and unfruitful, doing things in vain. In your own power, and so Jesus says, When you pray, pray like this. When you pray, Roger, I don't know how to pray like I just don't know how to pray. Well, read the instructions. Jesus says, Hey, when you pray, pray like this, don't just say this, but pray this way. If you've been Following along in the book that we passed out, unlike my small church who doesn't read their chapters, uh, I love what the author says about how we should view prayer, right? He says, when we pray, we meet with God. You want to meet with God? Go into your prayer closet. Get on your knees, right? When we pray, we meet with God. How often are you meeting with God? How if if you were to pull up your schedule right now, and I'm talking to myself, how many, how many times do you have God scheduled on your calendar? Where you just stop everything else, you push everything else out of out of your life during that day, and you saying, hey, uh, you know, oh man, hey, the uh, NBA games on Tuesday night, you know. Brad, won't you come on? Sorry, brother. Meeting with God at that time. I'll pray for you though. Right. Schedule it. Put it on your calendar. It's when you meet with God. The disciples prayer is a guide for us to know how to pray. So it's not precisely what to say. Because he says, pray like this. It's a guide. It's a pattern. But how to pray, not what to say. Let's look at verses nine and 10 and see how the disciples prayer puts communication with God into the right perspective. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The way to pray starts with being God-centered, our Father. And calling on our Father has so many things to learn from. First, True prayer is familial. It's family, meaning God is our Father. Jesus doesn't say, My Father. He says, Our Father, because we are His children. And because God, the Father, in a similar way that the family unit would have a Father, it communicates to us that He's available. He's present. He's interested. He's personal. And he's listening to us talk to him when we talk to him. Right? It's also a communal thing, like a community, meaning by praying this way, we're reminded that we are a part of the family of God. We're a part of something far greater than just Ourselves. This isn't an individual uh, religion. It is a community of people. We are one member of a large family whose home is not here on earth, right? The next thing is, so our Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, fancy word, meaning set apart, sanctified, holy, separate from us, right? He is above us. And beyond us. He's God. We are man. We are human. And we should show reverence to his power and his ability. His name is above all names. And one day, every knee will bow before him. That name is not Jesus, by the way. It's Lord. L O R D. And when we read his word or gather in his house on Sunday morning, we should treat it with the same respect that you'd want somebody to treat your name or your house if they came and visited you. Unfortunately, this is something the church is missing today. We've, we've, we've gotten too uh, lax on the reverence of God, a respect, a genuine respect respect for the lord and why jesus tells us we should pray this way is to be reminded that he is the supreme being the great i am the alpha and omega not some little g god or higher power that we've made for ourselves or manufactured in our own imagination next is our father hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done On earth as in heaven. Bam. There is your new vision statement with some skin on it, Matthew's table. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus would not have us ask the Father for this to take place if it couldn't take place. The church just doesn't think of it that way. That, we, that heaven came down and heaven is now present among believers and followers of Jesus Christ, right? Some of us are still thinking that, well, we just got to keep working hard to be the best person or individual we can so that when the end of time comes or I die, I get to go to heaven. Brothers and sisters, heaven came down. And the world needs to see heaven now. Because they'll see hell later if they don't. True disciples are pleading or in prayer, concerned about, communicating to God for his kingdom to come. Because we know that this kingdom belongs to the evil one. That's what the Bible says. The world and all that it offers is temporary and leaves someone only desiring more because we were designed to be eternal beings, never satisfied. That's one of the evidences of God, is the fact that we're never satisfied. That's eternity that we're waiting for, right? Right? More is never enough anyways because more comes from God who is unlimited and infinite. And so our hope is in his kingdom and his will being done. And we earnestly desire his way over our own. That's what a true disciple, your kingdom, come your will be done we surrender our wills over to his willingly and joyfully because we recognize we're responsible to personally represent and reflect heaven on earth because heaven came down and now dwells within us So to look, live, and love like heaven is the church, not a building, but the people, radically and unconditionally being kind, merciful, generous, gracious, forgiving, compassionate. In a world that's dark, divisive, and desperate for what we have, peace, joy, and hope a peace that surpasses and transcends all understanding, a joy that's not based on circumstances and a hope, something that we're looking forward to on the day that we die. Death has no sting on us. We don't fear death no more because we're living forever. But the greatest lesson learned for the reason to this prayer. If you said, okay, Roger, cut out all the other stuff this morning, tell me the one thing I need to understand about the Lord's Prayer. It's this. In the Sermon on the Mount, the demands given by Jesus to live a kingdom life seems to be spiritually equivalent to training to be a Navy SEAL. Now, I I can't speak from personal experience. Y'all probably thought so. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, But I've watched some movies. I read some documentaries, right? Like, I've I've seen some clips of how people train to be uh, a Navy SEAL. What you see is a person who originally goes in, like they just make them to be these, it's it's high demands, right? It leads to a grueling, rigorous, intense transformation from the high standards that seem awful heavy. And this is why Jesus is pointing us to this prayer. Because apart from God, these things that he has asked us to do are impossible. Love and pray for your enemies. What are you talking about, dude? That seems crazy to me. And so The reason the prayer is on the heel of all these things that he's introduced to us is because apart from God, all of these things are possible. We must lean into and call upon the grace of God to enable us to carry these things out as disciples. Who wakes up in the morning and says, you know, today I'm just gonna turn the other cheek. Right? Nobody. This calling us to live lives. That's so opposite and upside down, counter cultural and demanding death to our own flesh forces us to learn that we are to be reliant and fully dependent on the one who has all the power to enable us to do the things he's asked us to do. And so the same source of grace that takes dead men and women and brings them to life, that opened our eyes and hearts to how beautiful God's love is, will be the same God we live the rest of our lives calling on to help us be his children. And for those of you who think to yourself, yeah, I'm not sure I can do these things, um, that Jesus asked me to do. Uh, We're going to jump over real quick to our friend Luke and his gospel, and we're going to see why Jesus would have so much confidence in this this, uh, guide of prayer and why he would have us count on praying this way. It's kind of the rest of the story to the disciples' prayer in Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read it to you quickly. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, so he's kind of repeating what he's already taught in Matthew chapter 6, say this, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who's indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, right? And he said to them, this is it right here. Listen, guys, this is why this is important. Which do you, has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, that's just arrogance. He, he wants to get credit for doing such a good thing. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. Verse 9, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks Finds, and to the one who knocks it will be open. Church, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? to those who ask him. That's a good, good father. And the evidence of our faith should be our willingness to ask the father for things that we want to see him do. You got a wayward child? You should be on your knees. You got a parent who's staring death in the face? and has never chosen to give their lives to Christ, you should be on your knees. You struggle with anger against brothers and sisters, disappointment, you should be on your knees. Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because apart from you, I can't do any of these things. And so here's, here's what we're dealing with this morning. I've read you the instructions. So I'm closing this morning asking you to join me in asking the Father to go before us on these upcoming events. I, I've, I've announced all these things. I've shared with you all these things that we'll be doing. We're going to have a vacation Bible school. We'll have children here who've never heard about Jesus bus pass ministry the bus passes are no longer free and i I know what some of you could be thinking because the thought crossed my mind we've been giving them out for free for a year they should have been here getting them they'd had plenty yeah they didn't who are we to judge we're going to give them anyways because it creates an opportunity to develop a relationship And in that relationship, it gives us opportunity to tell them about Jesus. Are you praying for the bus pass ministry? The back-to-school efforts, initiating our partnerships with families in need, they're going to be here. How dare us wait till that day to pray? or service at the Cadillac. You know, we've done this for two years now, and I'm going to tell you right now, I stood there preaching just like I have this morning, and I looked out, and there were houses across the street where people standing in the doorway, listening to what's being said. What if that's the only day they ever hear the name above all names? Shouldn't we be praying this morning instead of waiting until that day. Those of you who don't know, we're going to have a revival at the end of August. Good Lord, does our city need a revival, right? That means people, and it might not be very many. let's Let's just be real, right? But I don't care if it's 20. They come here, they're going to hear the name of Jesus. They're going to they're understand the gospel when they leave. Why would we not start praying? You want a revival? It starts with prayer. Are the saints praying that on those nights, men and women will come forward and give their lives to Christ and you could sit there in your chair and just think to yourself, praise the Lord. God, you get all the glory. I prayed, but you delivered. Right? Let's not let it be because we didn't pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. So as we close this morning, all I'm going to ask you guys to do is, we, we always close in song, and it's a time of invitation to respond to what you've heard. Not to me, but to what you heard. Let the Lord, let the Holy Spirit work on your heart and your mind. And you respond to God in the way that God would have you respond right now. And it may just be prayer, but that's enough. Because we have a God who's available, we have a God who's present, and we have a God who's listening. Would you pray with us this morning? Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.